with that said, you, we've come, so we might as well have church. Amen? I, I believe the Lord is already speaking. He's already, he's already moving in this house. He's, there's nothing more glorious, more beautiful, I believe, than, than to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or to come to the place where there is, there is liberty that you didn't have before you came in here. Our theme this year is free in 2023. Because we want to see freedom. And, and so many times I, I have it framed in my own mind to look a little bit different. But I tell you what the Lord has really just been laying on our hearts as we have been in prayer. And God just began to just rest on us. It's, it's turn back to God. It's to repent and turn back to God. And he has so many things in store. Now, I will tell you, if you come into this house and you listen to this this ministry and you, you listen to the word, I will just forewarn you, I believe in an all-in faith experience in God. I, I don't believe a half-hearted commitment. I don't believe in just a little bit of lukewarmness. I believe an all-in commitment to God. Just because as we come to salvation, we, we now have access to heaven. But see, what the Lord is wanting is to have access to earth through you. So I'm just going to let you know that I already know because I'm the one doing the preaching, but every message is going to be pretty well centered on this pattern, and that is what God's done for you, what God's done in you, and what God wants to do through you. It, it doesn't get much simpler than that. And you, no matter what verse we look at, no matter what message we preach, it's going to come down to those three factors. What God has done for us, what God has done in us, and what God desires to do through us. So as we look here, we've been talking about wilderness to wonderment, taking ourselves out of the, out of the place of hosp inhospitable environment, the place of bewilderment, the place that is full of destitute and lack, to step in to the place God wants us to be, and that is a place of wonderment. I've been preaching this gospel for more than three decades now, and in the last few years, I have, I have been more in awe of God than I have in times past because God is a, a God of amazement. The book just keeps just keeps expressing the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you go with me on a journey today? And not to overuse the the word because it is epic. I, I know that word gets used a lot in, in our in our modern culture and and you know if everything's epic then what's really epic but I want to take you on an epic journey today of humanity from the lostness to foundness amen so before we do that let's let's look here in Genesis 12 father I come before you and Lord you know my dependence you know my need Lord uh, thank you for the call Thank you for the mercy. Thank you for the goodness and the grace that you give us. Now, Lord, I, I pray 
that, Lord God, I get so far out of your way that, Lord, your voice is heard and not mine. Lord, move in our midst. Speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, take over. In Jesus' name. Genesis 12. I'm going to read four verses here. Genesis 12 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75. Who wants to uproot and move at 75 years of age? Some of you made your way west, and you've come, you've come, uh, you've come here to Texas, and you've, you've maybe you're, you exceed that seventy-five years of age. But here we have Abram, as the Word of God introduces him. But I want us to back up to the start. In a Hebrew mind, if you want to know where you're going, you got to know where you started, because you're going back to origin. You're going back to the to the beginning. And so what we see is in from Genesis 1 through Genesis 11, we have 2,000 years of history. It's kind of like a fast-forwarding it. A lot can happen in 2,000 years. We saw that God created the heavens and the earth, and they were good, and he placed the pinnacle of his creation, his imagers on earth, in the seen realm that we know as the earth, he placed them in the garden, and we saw that a rebellion took place. The serpent came in. He deceived Adam and Eve. They partook of the fruit, and now they were banned from the garden. We look at Eden, as we've been studying on Wednesday night, how that Eden was not only a habitation of man, but it is also known as the habitation of God on earth. So what we see here is the, the Eden project, if we can call it that, is it, it, it took place and it seemed to be disruptive because now God was, as the enemy desired to push God out of his relationship with man and disrupt his habitation on earth. And we see there's another rebellion that takes place in Genesis 6, and then we have a rebellion that takes place of the nations in Genesis 11. Genesis 11, they gather, begin to build. The Lord had told them, said, I want you to go, and I want you to, I want you to inhabit the entirety of the earth. I want you to spread out and move out. But they refused. They rebelled against God. And so out of the midst of the table of nations, which were 70 there, according to the numbers of the sons of Seth, Genesis 11 tells us that. We go from 2,000 years of history and we slow way down. Genesis 12, and now we're focusing on a man who will become a nation. And from Genesis 12 
to the end of the book, we're looking at that nation that was called to bless all other nations. I do not believe in replacement theology. I believe that Israel was a covenant keepers of God and that they had their purpose and they were the family of God. But ultimately, Israel was meant to be a blessing to bring forth the son who would be the blessing and the redemption of all other nations. And God is still dealing with Israel. But we, what we see here as we look to the word of God, we begin to focus here on this epic journey. And, and yes, it has been filled with disappointment. It has been filled with despair. It has been filled with, with some agony and some defeats. But there's also triumph and there's joy and there's hope because God has not given up on his habitation on earth. Now he's going to take up residence ultimately in the heart of humanity. So as we look here, as we just look at this redemption story, as the Lord began to focus on a man who would become a nation, notice what he tells Abram. He said, Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Don't take away from this place today saying, that preacher told me to go home and abandon my family. I was contemplating whether or not I should leave, and now I know because I have affirmation. No, that's not what we're saying. That, that's not the message today. But see, we go Genesis 11, and you have the rebellion of the nations that are taking place. And they're doing things their way, and they're following false gods, and they are... They are they are influenced by the by, by the fallen the fallen uh, watchers of the Nephilim and the, and the ones that were there the spiritual wickedness in high places or they're influencing uh, the nations. But the Lord said, "No, I'm going to take Abram out. I need you to come out." See, there's a lot of folks, because this is going to have a corporate impact on the body of Christ, but it also has individual impact, because who makes up families? Families are made up by individuals, but together they become a family, and that family begins to, to, to occupy and to dwell as a family. And see, every family's got individuals, so this message is going to have an individual impact, but it's also going to have a, a, a corporate impact. So what you see here is he sell, tells Abram, I want you to get out of your country. I'm raising you up as a separate people. I, I want you to move from where you're at, and I've got a place I want to show you. And folks, unfortunately, the reality is, because I've been in this a day or two, I see people who God gives a command, get up and move, and they say, no, what he means is for me to stay here and be planted. See, if you're ever going to find what God has in store, there's going to be some movement on your part. you got to get up, and you got to move. Now, when Peter was in the prison, the angel came along, and he must have been a sound sleeper. He walked by, and the angel, get up, Peter. You hard-headed fisherman, get up. Struck him on the side. 
what's going on here today in this midnight hour that I'm here in the in this place or in the whatever watch of the night it was bound between two soldiers and now wait a minute I'm free I'm not bound to the soldiers anymore what am I supposed to do I know I'll go back to sleep because I'm really tired no he said I want you to get up and start moving because the door just opened the door just opened the door just opened and it began to move out and as it began to move out another door opened uh, and it began to move out and all of a sudden the iron gate that leads to the city opened up uh, and he stepped out but let me ask you this question what would have happened if he would have stayed there you think those soldiers would have slept forever didn't say they were dead just that they were asleep let me tell you would those doors stay open or would they eventually close? See, there's folks that come into the house of God and they come to the altar and the Lord says, yes, I've awakened you by my spirit. Now, after I've awakened you by my spirit, I need you to get up and stop lingering around in your past. Stop lingering around in your addiction. I have set you free. Now, I need you with that door of repentance opening. I need you to walk out of that prison because it's not going to stay open forever. Unfortunately, we have misinformed a lot of folks. It's, it's okay. You can get forgiveness of that bitterness, and you can hold on to that unforgiveness. That's not what the Word tells us. you got to get up and start making your way out of that prison of that bitterness. you got to forgive that stepfather that horrifically abused you for 10 years of your childhood. You got to forgive those that have wronged you in so many different ways. How do you do that? You do it through the grace of Almighty God. You do it through the empowering of the Spirit of the Lord. That you stop seeing yourself as a victim and you start realizing you're victorious in Jesus Christ. You got to get up, though. Why should we sit here till we die? That's what the leper, that's what the four lepers sitting at the gate of Samaria. There was famine in the city. There was there was famine all around them. They were besieged by the enemy, and they thought, you know what? If we go to the city, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. If we get up and start marching toward, if we just get up and depart, if we just get up and start moving, uh, maybe uh, the worst thing that happened to us is we'll die. So many times, we get into our places. Uh, of despair and we are sitting there starving to death and we know if we go back or if we sit here we're going to keep we're going to die because if anybody had bread to eat they were the last ones that were going to eat but they got up they began to move and as they moved God moved as they took a step God took a step they couldn't see it. The Bible says, uh, I, I, I'm certain that maybe the growls of their stomach was louder than the, than the chariots that were, that were following along behind them. We know that's not, that's not the case, but we can imagine, can't we? As we were looking at the Word of God, what we're seeing is they are moving. They are departing from where they are at. They were getting up and they were moving their feet. Oh, I came out of a drunken stupor. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was full of self-hatred. I was full of bitterness and unforgiveness. I had been abused physically, emotionally, sexually. But I said, oh, 
oh my God, I've got to get up and get out of this place. And so I started moving my feet in front of the other because this is what I knew. If I stayed there, I was going to surely die. But what I didn't know is when I moved, he moved. I didn't hear him. But when I showed up to the camp, I thought, what happened to all those enemies of fear and hatred? What, what happened to my past? All I see is spool laying around. All I see is uh, it, it, it is, they were more scared of, of, of me coming than I was showing up there. I got a long way to go, but I, I just feel like we got to camp here just a minute. See, Abraham had to get up and depart. He had to depart. Some of you today have been graced the ability to move your feet. Some of you have been graced today, not only a spirit of repentance, but you've been graced not to go back to that prison. You have been graced not to identify yourself as a victim anymore. You have been graced not to live in a constant torment of your mind of the regrets of all the mistakes that you have made and all the failures because it's not just about you. It's about those God wants to reach through you. And if you stay in that prison, the good chance you're going to not come out of that prison. It's time to step out. If you stay in that place, you will starve to death. you got to get up and move. And let me say to you today, you stay where you're at. Keep doing what you're doing. It's not going to get any better. One year from now, you will be worse off than you were this day. God has graced you. He's graced you. Grace is not just, hey, I can keep doing what I want to do anytime I want to do it. My God, that's not grace at all. Grace is the empowering to do what God wants me to do, and that is to walk in faith. Abram, I need you to depart. I need you to get up and begin to move because I just not only need you in a different location. I need you away from this influence of these 70 nations. I, I need you to to walk with me. I need you to talk with me. I need to initiate some things in you. And when I do that, you're not only going to be blessed, I'm going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And all the nations, in fact, it's going to be like the dust of the, sea, of the shore. That's going to be your natural seed. And now it's going to be the, you realize after Sarah had passed, Abram became Abraham before she passed, but do you realize that he fathered Ishmaelites, Israel, Isaac, who became Israel, and six other nations? <laughs> Every son that came out of him became a nation. He's producing nations. God said, I'm going I'm to bless all of them. When he did that, he said, but I got, you got to leave because I got to get you to a place. I got to show you who I am. I got to 
I got to show you how to think. I got to show you how to walk. I got to show you how to talk. I got to show you what who you're meant to be. When I formed Adam in the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostril the breath of life, I, I created him after my own image. I need you to walk in my image. I need you to be my representative. I need you to resemble me. I, I, I need you to be in relationship with me. And see, what we have from Abraham is that he believed God, and because he believed God that he was going to be a nation, God accounted to him that he counted him because of faith. He counted him righteous. So righteousness does not come from the law. No, it predates the law. You know what also predates the law? Circumcision. All of that's in Abraham. See, Abraham, we, we're going to have a we're going to have a spiritual understanding, and we're going to have a natural understanding, and we're going to we're going to let you know every day because this is in the private areas of your body. This is not for public. This is private. And in the privacy, you're going to know it's going to be a constant reminder that you cannot win in the flesh. That your victory is not in what you're able to do. It's what I'm doing through you. In fact, I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abraham. And in that covenant, uh, we're going to lay out the, the sides of the sacrifice. We're going to cut them right down the middle. We're going to put a sacrifice on one side that represents your covenant. And we're going to put a sacrifice on the other side that's going to be my commitment to that covenant. See, in ancient times, whenever they would forge a covenant, they would divide a sacrifice. And then dividing that sacrifice, they would stand in the middle each party and in that they would make commitment I will keep the vow that I'm making today or I will suffer what this sacrifice has suffered which is death what you find in Genesis 15 something extraordinary The word changes everything. He had to see it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be recorded. There was a smoking flask that passed through that sacrifice while Abraham slept. There was one party in the midst of that sacrifice. The other party was resting. See, because the Lord, we say there's one party, but ultimately there will become two parties standing there, and it would not be Abraham. It would be God himself who made not only the covenant, he gave the sacrifice, and he said, look, I'm taking on the side of death, and I'm giving you life. I, I'm, I'm coming down as a man, and I will walk this earth as God, and I will make a covenant with humanity. And what hum, humanity must do is they must come to the place where they accept that sacrifice as being enough for their sins. And by faith, I will impute righteousness on them, and I will impart righteousness to them because they trust in me. That's good news. 
That's good news. You see, also we have the tithe that comes forth from Abraham. That predates the law. What does the tithe tell us? As the tithe was initiated there, as the battle came back, uh, and there was Melchizedek, uh, and in the after it came back, uh, it was Abraham that offered up a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of the Lord. What he was declaring there is, I'm putting validity and I'm putting value on the relationship that I have with God. I am bringing the first to the Lord as a precedence and as a portrait of my understanding a priority of relationship. That was just side notes. And see, this covenant we see with Abram, who would become Abraham, it began by him departing. He had to leave because the influence of the nations around him were such that they would declare to Abraham who he was. See, some of you, I'm not telling you to leave your family. I'm not telling you to leave your home. What I'm telling you is leave some mindsets behind. What I'm telling you is leave some, some past behind. What I'm telling you is let the Lord frame in your mind who you are. And you are not a victim. You are victorious. You're not defeated. You are the you are the, an individual who has triumphed and overcome through the blood and the, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But here, Abram has to leave. Could you imagine what would happen to the children of Israel when they left Egyptian bondage? If after the blood of the lamb was applied and the release of the children of Israel, if they would have just stayed in Egypt, would they have ever experienced the Red Sea opening? Would they have ever experienced crossing through the Jordan? Would they have ever moved beyond where they were at if they never left their position? And in today, the body of Christ so very often has reached a pivotal point. God has made the sacrifice. He has committed to the covenant. And all he is asking for the church is for you to leave that mindset, for you to leave that sin, for you to leave that bondage. The door has been opened. You have been graced. But you must get up. you got to get up. You have a part to play in this. What has he done for us? Our God, he with, did not withhold his own son. How will he withhold anything? If he had given us his son, he is telling us, I've given you all. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm 75 years old. I don't know if I got the energy to be a great nation. How is this even going to happen, Lord? How is this going to happen? I'll tell you how it's going to happen. I'm going to give you a son. See, when we think about nations, we got to think about kingdoms as well. We got to, it's it just, it just, those, those words are, are, are just interchangeable as we look to the word of God. The Lord's going to bring forth his kingdom. How he's going to do that? He's going to do it through a son. See, in Abraham, we received the promise of a son. 
and through that son, we have a promise of a nation, and that is through Isaac. And then we have the promise of a, of a preserver, and that comes through a son named Jacob who will one day be Israel. But see, everything that God is trying to do centers around the son. Just like our universe centers around the S-U-N. As children of God, our universe should center around the S-O-N. See, what the Lord's desire is to bring us into sonship. To bring us out of the alienation of kingdoms that are trying to declare us to be something other than what we are. There's a lot of rebellion going on in the world today because there's a lot of imagers that don't know who they are. Now, you can't, you can't be saved in, in the ark of safety unless you get in the boat. Amen? Only the animals that got into the ark, they're, they're the only ones that got saved. Only the eight people that got into the ark are the only ones that got saved. If you're not in the ark of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. There is no other way. There is no other path to, to, to you can call it to, uh, whatever you want to call it, to, but there's no other way but through Jesus Christ and him alone. Because there's no other deity. There's no other, there's no other spiritual being. There's no other God, little g, that compares to our God, big G, Jehovah God. There is no other. He's the only way to salvation. Because he is the only one that came and gave his own sacrifice so that you and I can enter into relationship with him. Let me say it this way. It's a foolproof plan to bring you to salvation. Why? Because it's not dependent upon your goodness. Because if... If it did, then I would have to measure my goodness against somebody else's goodness, and ultimately I might be better than one, but I'm not going to be, be as good as somebody else. It's going to be a roller coaster ride of trying to, of comparison. Well, I, I've, and, and it's going to be a checklist of, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and, and, and I've read all my, I've read all this, and I've read all that, and, you know, I did that, and I did, you know, 39,000 this and 49,000 of that and surely that's enough to make it in how many people I've talked to I can't even tell you when I start to present the good news to them they start pointing to their neighbor and saying well I'm not as bad as them come on now but you'll never be as good as him and that's the point the only way in is through accepting him as being more than enough and he is your lord and when he becomes your lord he becomes your salvation and oh what a glorious life there is to live when he becomes your lord and your salvation i don't glamorize my old man He's dead, buried. I don't want to resurrect him. I don't think about the good old days because they were not the good old days. They were the bad old days. 
I don't want to think about the times that, that I wondered how I got home that night or the people I put in the ground or the lives that were destroyed or the flesh pots of Egypt. I don't want to, to glamorize that old man because he's dead. What I want to glamorize is the one who got up on the inside of me when he opened the door of the grave and he said, now I need you to come out, son. I've got a place I want you to go and a people I want you to reach. I've got a, I, I, this is what I've done for you. This is what I've done in you. Now I've got to do some things through you. I've got to get you from where you're at to where you need to be. I've got two, hour, two more hours of messages, so I guess I'm going to carry on next week. Same time, same place, show up. My hope and desire is that God would become such a wonderment to you. Such a wonderment to you. You know the hurt that you have in your heart right now, God can heal. You know the pain that you have right now, the disappointment. See what happens so many times in humanity. It's because of past hurt and experience, broken relationships, disappointments, self, our own failures. We start to formulate a theology that supports that. We start framing God in that theological mindset that we have. We start believing things about him that are not true. There's a lot of people I've met, and I was told that they were one way, and I found out that they're not that way at all. They're people entirely different. How do I come to that knowledge? Because I walked with them for a little bit. I talked with them for a little bit. I didn't listen to what everybody else said about them. I sat down with them, and I found out who they really are. And who they really are was nothing compared to the description given of that person. In fact, it was furthest thing from the truth. And, folks, there has been a lot of descriptions given to you by God because of circumstance. Well, if you would have been better, God wouldn't have done this to you. And the reason why you're suffering today is because of God. I'm saying to you, no, we serve a God who is good, and he will do anything and everything to get you to the place of relationship with him. Abram, I need you to get up and go with me because I, can't not, I cannot allow the, the nations and the fallen spirits and the fallen angels, to uh, the, the ones that have been corrupted and brought forth a rebellion, I cannot let you, let them define who I am to you. I need you to get up and go with me so that I can teach you who I am. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a nation out of you, and that nation is going to go forth in all the other kingdoms and nations in the world will be blessed because we receive what we receive by the faith of the one who has given his life. Worship team, make your way up right now. We were in the country of Scotland ministering the message the gospel. We had a church plant. I'll never forget him because he was unforgettable. This gentleman by the name of Andrew walks in, this deep Scottish brogue, had no shirt on, with scars all over his face, no shoes, 
can smell the last night's experience all over. We're getting ready to start. I had a few a few people that we gathered in, and we were in the public hall, and we missed Sister Faith. And here comes here comes Andrew walking up. He had his own theology about God, but he also had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. As soon as he walked in, of course I went to a different message. First off, I didn't know if he was going to come stab me. He's got scars on his face. He's been in gangs all of his life. He come walking in and started telling Andrew about the goodness and the mercy and the good news of Jesus Christ. I listened. He said some snide remarks about God. I wanted to reject him, but I didn't. Come on now. Let's see. You're talking about my Savior. Let me... Let me punch you in the nose, and I'll ask forgiveness, and we can talk about this later as soon as I get the blood wiped off of your face. But the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and I just began to minister the truth. And I said, he said, you're not from here. I said, no, I'm not. He said, why are you here? I said, I'm here because of you. I'm here to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you because God so loved you. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe not perish but have everlasting life. Andrew didn't receive that day. But what happened is he listened, he listened, and he listened. Just he, the, the few people we had were standing there. My kids were in the back going, mm. it's just me and Andrew standing there. He's shirtless, and I'm just talking to him for a good 10, 15 minutes. And finally, he said, I told him my name. He said, Mike, I can't take any more today. Stuck his hand out, shook my hand, and walked out. Never saw him again. So he had an opportunity. But his whole theological view of God was framed because of his hurt and his disappointment and some misinformation given to him about the sacrifice and the love of Jesus. My prayer today is don't be Andrew. Don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of this place without knowing in your heart who you are in Christ. I want you to stand. This is the altar call today. Been many of you that have responded already, but this is the altar call today. It's not just repentance, but it's a receiving of grace to get up out of that prison house, away from that city gate, away from that place of starvation, and it's departing from that country that mindset to say, I'm, I'm going to start moving towards God because you can respond to an altar call. Peter responded to an altar call. Wake up. He woke up. But if he had gone back to sleep, he wouldn't have gotten out. My salvation plea to the Lord was this, God. I don't know how to live for you. 
I don't know how to do this. And God's response to me was simply this. Surrender. Just surrender. Just give it up. Just surrender. Lord, I have tried and I have failed. But the Lord just said, surrender. I'm going to share this and I'm closing. I've shared this before, but maybe you haven't heard it. As goofy teenagers, we used to go, do not do this. I do not endorse this. We would go and we would cry, climb up on a, a dam, a spillway. It wasn't just enough to jump off that 40 foot into the water. The water was low, it was a little higher. We had to get beyond the do not enter, don't do this, you idiot sign. Shimmy out on the, with the barbed wire not catching our hair. Get out in the middle so we could clear the tree that's over there. So we had to get way out in the middle. And we did it just for the thrill, and we would jump. So I'm laying in my, my bed at 7-Eleven Jefferson Street. It's been such deep conviction for months. And the Lord brought that image to mind. As I was asking him what it meant to surrender, this is what it looks like. You let go of the edge, and you jump. And you leave your past, you leave everything behind, and you just jump. And I'll catch you. That night was more scary than jumping off that dam. God that I jumped and he caught me I gave him all of me and he's continually been giving me all of him someone today you're going to walk to this altar and God's going to grace you with that repentance and you're going to surrender and you're not just going to surrender you're going to get up. You're not going to continue in that place that you're at. I almost said shacked up, but that's what I meant to say, shacked up. God's not okay with that. God didn't call you to be a drunk and an alcoholic and a drug addict. I know the addictions are strong, but his love is stronger. He didn't call you children of God to stay in your cage of bitterness for the rest of your life. He didn't call you, child of God, to be in that place where you have failed and now you have purposely, in your mind, disqualified yourself from ever being a part of what God's doing again. It's time to repent. It's time to depart. This altar is open right now. Come, come, come. Say, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the Ur of the Chaldees. I'm leaving the country I'm at. I'm leaving the mindset. I'm laying it all down. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering to the Lord. Come on. Whatever that looks like to you, come on, surrender to the Lord. Say, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Just come and find a place to kneel and pray. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, if you have to throw them out there, throw them out there. Come on. Amen. There's some more. Come on. Come on. Tim and Yvonne, come help me pray right now. Cheryl, come here. Come here and help me pray right now. Come on, just lay 